0: you just have to not think about it and just do it or not talk about it and just do it and kind of separate your anxiety and your stress and realize that it's going to be okay. And if you do fail, it doesn't matter. Like who cares? We have a very lovely tradition
1: on Dirty Linen. It's lovely, but it's small. Our tradition is that parents and children both get a go on the podcast. I have spoken to my dad I think that was the first parent-child reunion. We have had Ray Bonnie and her son George Wintle speaking about mental health from various angles and today we are catching up with Audrey Allard who is the daughter of Deborah Allard who we spoke to recently. Deborah is a cheesemaker up in the Byron Bay region and Audrey is a patissier in Melbourne. Welcome to Dirty Linen Audrey. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being part of our grandparent-child tradition here on the podcast. Yes, it's a very,
0: um, very fortunate that my mum and I can both be in the same industry to experience things like this.
1: Yeah, well. It's great for me because it was, yeah, and it's, I think it's usually the, the parents saying, putting forward the children. So um, it, she definitely told me I needed to talk to you. And then it reminded me that I follow you on Instagram and love looking at your cakes. So, yeah. Um, Audrey, tell us a bit about Holy Sugar, your cake business.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Saturday dessert box that orders open and the box is revealed. Um, the Tuesday beforehand. It's a different box each week and all the orders come through Instagram and um, you either pick up or deliver um, in Collingwood. And tell
1: me how this business came about because I have a feeling there's a bit of a pandemic story threaded through it.
0: Yeah. uh, I always wanted to have my own business and when the lockdown happened last year, um, I was a bit lost i didn't really know what was going to happen i moved back home um, on the farm for a bit and just baked every day all day and then until i had to return back to work where i was working at loon croissant um, and i started working once a week so i had a lot of spare time Um, obviously everyone's heads were a bit scrambled at that point so to occupy myself i started baking for my housemates Um, and that would give me a gold dollar coin, um, coin donation and, (laughs) um, that would pay for the ingredients. And then one day I just opened it up on my Instagram, my personal Instagram account where I didn't have many followers. Um, I'm originally from New South Wales. So a lot of my followers at that point were still in New South Wales, but I, um, ended up getting so many orders and I sold out on the first weekend and word of mouth happened and, I don't know, I guess now I have a pretty successful business. Um, Yeah, just the ball's just been rolling and snowballing and here I am. It's, yeah, it's a really,
1: really great story. And it's, I love hearing the success stories that have come out of this crazy period. When you thought about having your own business, I mean, could you have imagined it being like this or were you thinking more along traditional bricks and mortar lines?
0: Yeah, it was definitely traditional. I was thinking... I'd always have to go back home to open something, where my um, family and all my friends were. I thought I needed that um, support, and then I kind of just jumped the gun and did something in um, in Melbourne. And I just I'm so glad that I did that because I was so scared that I needed my family, and my friends from back home to get me through it. But the support from the Melbourne community has just been amazing, and I never expected anything like this. So I'm really glad that I started something in Melbourne instead of going back home. Um, and doing something.
1: Yeah, well, Melbourne's lucky that you did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us about your approach
0: to cakes and what kinds of things go into the boxes. Um, It's all different. So you have French crullers, tarts, um, buttercream cakes, apple fritters. It's all a different type of variety. Um, Wagon wheels. And it's just whatever I feel like doing or I'm, I'm inspired by that week. I mean, is it seasonal as well? It's seasonal. It's, you know, um, we had World Chocolate Day the other week, so I did a whole chocolate box or I had I celebrated Holy Sugar's first birthday um, a few weeks ago and I did a little birthday box, which was really cute. Um, yeah. So I like the theme, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. And um, what do you, I mean, does the business sort of go up and down depending on whether Melbourne's in lockdown or open?
0: Yeah, it goes up and down. Um, I had a few months off during summer last year. Uh, I think I burnt myself out a little bit and then starting back up again after taking pretty much most of summer off, um, it was a bit quiet and I would stress that thinking that no one would order or I wouldn't get enough orders or people would forget about me. Um, So it, it was fluctuating a little bit going up and down. I think now I've got a pretty... Um, pretty cult following, so I'm not too worried about um, not getting enough orders, but I've definitely in the past um, had to mm. put that, yeah, had to take that into consideration. So how many boxes do you do a week? Um, at the moment I'm doing about 70. Um, last week I did 90, 95. Um, I'll tend to do like a big week where I'll do 95 boxes and then the next week I might do 50. Um, it all just depends on what I've got in the box and how much I can physically make myself um, and mentally how much I can take on. Yeah, I, yeah, you've got to put your mental health first. What are the mental pressures that come with what you're doing? Um, I definitely have a lot of pressure to always be doing a better box each week, which is 100% pressure I've put on myself um, I am having to turn down a lot of orders. I'm selling out quite quick and I honestly feel so sorry for people who miss out. And I know it's just cake, but I think in times like this, all anyone wants is just like a cake box to look forward to at the end of the week. So I know how important it is for some people. And I do beat myself up about, um, not being able to provide that, um, yeah, I understand
1: that feeling. I'm doing this thing through September called Friday Pie Day, where I'm it's basically just to support indie bakers and I'm aggregating pie orders and donuts and cheese. And um, we're delivering them around Melbourne so people have got a pie to eat while they watch the footy on TV. Yeah, it's a really cute concept. But last week was the first week we did it, and there were a couple of donut orders that went missing or, you know, they just weren't put in the bags. It was, you know, our, our mistake. And I felt so devastated because one was um like a grandma who'd ordered the box for her grandchildren and it's I mean I I went and got the donuts went and got more donuts and took them to them personally because I was just I cannot have this heartbreak on my (laughs) on my shoulders and you know that every sort of little moment of brightness is so important for people at the moment, don't you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had that um happen a few weeks ago. I had um a delivery I totally glanced over and when she messaged me that she hadn't got the order, I was so devastated, I quickly went straight back home, made her a whole new box and got an Uber to get it straight to her door. And yeah, I've never had I've never missed an order like that, but I've come very close. Um, it'd be, I honestly don't know what I would do if I if I completely forgot someone's order and wasn't able to do anything for them.
1: Yeah, it's really, I think things are so kind of fraught and everyone in everyone's a bit ground down by lockdowns that I think we all really, I think we feel, or people that feel the responsibility of other people's happiness, holding it in their hands, like it's a
0: really big thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think going through Instagram with all my orders, um, it's not just a piece of paper that has name, their number, their address or where they're going to pick up. It's, you know, it's a personal message you're sending to someone. So you actually, I learn a lot about my customers and they won't just send an order. They'll say, oh, you know, this is for my sister who, you know, she's going through a hard time. Like you get the whole backstory. So I think there's a lot of, there's a real connection with the customer, especially during this time.
1: Yeah. Well, I can also imagine then why yeah, you do feel really pressured. Well, pressured, yeah, and yeah. sad if people can't get the cake that they want for yeah, yeah the person that they think needs it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a story last week about uh, people trying to jazz up school lunches in lockdown because you know. With kids at home, home learning. Oh my goodness! Like the lunch grind is real. Um, so there was. I spoke to one cafe owner who said that most of the little brunch boxes that they do for for little kids are sent to, sent to people as gifts. You know, because people know that someone, you know, perhaps it's a single parent. They're doing it really tough. Whether it's a you know a financial need or whether it's just you know to take a bit of the load off people. It's people really giving is so important to people at the moment isn't it
0: yeah it is and I feel like um I personally I try to make extra of everything so that I can give people extra surprise crullers or extra slice of something and it just it does make their day you know you see their face light up when they see it it's little things that count these days. Yeah,
1: yeah that's so true Um, So I'm really interested in how you got interested in pastry in the first place. I mean, was it a general interest in food that came through from farm life and from your mum's work as a cheesemaker?
0: It was a general interest in food. Um, My great-grandmother, she was a pastry chef, so I've always been brought up around great food. Um, But basically in my last year of high school, I had to choose between doing a Bachelor of Visual Arts course Um, arts degree in uni or being a pastry chef where I could implement my art in my food and for me being a pastry chef just seemed like a (laughs) no-brainer and I I went literally straight from year 12 um, into an apprenticeship straight away it's
1: really interesting because you know pastry it's definitely artistic but it's also got that very rigorous scientific
0: element How how does that sort of balance out with you I, I love the science behind food. I feel like I just get it. I feel like if, if pastry could speak a language, like I, I know I'm fluent in it. Um, which is amazing for me because I feel like in school, you know, I wasn't that great. So when I found something that I was really good at, i really held on to it. Um, yeah, it's very fascinating. I mean, like even puff pastry, the reason that Something so small can expand so large isn't by any ingredient, it's just by steam pushing up the layers. Like, I find that so fascinating.
1: Yeah. Do you reckon, can you take that knowledge and sort of expand it into other arenas? Like, you know, can you walk around in the world and see? oh, I don't know, that leaf is doing that thing like that pastry does or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah, that's so interesting. (laughs) And so tell us more about your career. So you started your apprenticeship pretty early. Then what happened next?
0: Um, Well, my apprenticeship went on for about five years. So I did my first year in a little town called Mullumbimby and then I did my second year at Harvest Newry Bar in Byron. And then I think by third year I was ready to pack up and move to the big smoke to see, to push myself and my skills a little bit more. So I went from more bakery, patisserie to fine dining and that's where I worked with Phil Wood at Point Leo. Um, And then from there I went to Loon Croissant in the city and then I started my own little business. So I've had fingers in lots of pies. Um, Were you working with Phil at um,
1: Laura when he did that Really, really ridiculous baked custard dessert that was runny on the inside. Yeah, the fondue, custard fondue. I was. Oh my goodness, because I mean, I ate that and was blown away. But then I got him to describe how he made it, and it, I, was, I was taking notes. It was like three pages of notes.
0: <sighs> but, <laughs> can you talk us through that dessert? Um, so it's a it's a vanilla custard that's steamed. Um, and you don't want to steam it too much so that it's fully, I guess, like a jelly gelatinous. You want to have the center still quite liquid. So it's, it's yeah, it's runny in the inside. I don't know. It's quite, <laughs> it's just as simple as that, but it's, it's so effective. I mean, it's simple, but it seems
1: like there was a bit of a margin. Well, there was not everyone worked, right?
0: Yeah, it was quite stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to like, you would make a tray and you'd be going through them all and making sure that they're all running on the inside without actually, you know, piercing the inside to check. You had to really feel and um, you're definitely standing by the oven and watching it to make sure you pulled it out just in time. Ah, interesting. And what
1: were what were some of the other things that you sort of could saw or learnt or were amazed by in that kitchen?
0: Um, I think the service for me was one of the biggest things, working under pressure, um, having to think on my feet. You know, there's always, you know, issues that pop up and you, you can't, you know, dwell on them. You just have to think, how can I fix it? And I think, you know, it's not for everyone. Not everyone um, is as quick on their feet, I think so I was quite lucky that you know when it comes to adrenaline I think I' I'm, I'm pretty good with dealing with it so yeah mm. and what about loon
1: I mean that's such a important business for Melbourne and uh, yeah such as has been such a a business a business and, and a product that's had so much attention to on it um, yeah yes and you know uh, what Kate does there is so incredible yeah um, Tell me about it from your perspective. What was
0: it like there? Um, it was great. So I was working in the kitchen mainly. Um, I did a little bit of recipe development there. So the um, once a week, um, oh, no, I think it was a few times a week, the little degustation they had. Yes, um, I went to one of them. Incredible. Sorry about that. Um, I was coming up with the menu with that and then I moved into the cube where I was doing all the croissant making and... Um, I think I was only there for a year and then that's when COVID happened and I moved on to um, my own little thing.
1: Yeah, right. So anyone who hasn't been to Loon, when <laughs> when Audrey says the cube, the space is it's a big factory space and in the middle there's a temperature-controlled glass cube and you're really on show in that space as people come in and line up for their croissants, aren't you?
0: Yeah, everyone's watching, taking photos, videos. Yeah, you're on but show if- for sure.
1: What was it like for you to work in that environment?
0: It was good. I think because I had the restaurant um, experience behind me, um, it wasn't that much of a of a shift. Um, but I think for me, making croissants every day wasn't going to be forever. Yeah. And I definitely, um, when I did finish working at Loon, I was so creative after working there for a year you know, and then being able to make my own thing, it was just such a breath of fresh air, having that freedom. Mm,
1: yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's its interesting that you were sort of pushed into launching a business, yeah, perhaps sooner than you thought you might and in different yeah. circumstances to those you could envisage. What kinds of things have you learned from running your business
0: that other people might be able to learn from? It's not as hard as you think it is. Um, I think it's very, definitely daunting and I don't think that I would, you know, I think maybe if I hadn't have done this when COVID happened, I still might be working, might've been working for someone for another five years. Um, but I think you just have to not think about it and just do it or not talk about it and just do it um, and kind of separate your anxiety and your stress and the worry of failing, Um mm. and just Realise that it's going to be okay, and if you do fail, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? <laughs> That's a good attitude.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about like the rhythm of the week? I mean, had you thought about, I don't know, doing different, you know, doing things on a different rhythm or doing different kinds of products? Like, how did you sort of land on the on the box idea?
0: Um, I don't know where the box idea came from. I don't think I'd seen anyone doing a pastry box at that point. I did. I got onto it pretty quickly. Um, but I was doing weekends, so I was doing Saturdays and Sundays, and after the Saturday I just couldn't think of anything worse than having to do it all over again the next day. So I stopped the the Sunday after the first week and I actually almost cancelled Holy Sugar. I almost put out a post saying to everyone that I bit off more than I could chew and I couldn't keep doing it. Um, I was definitely shed a few tears after all my deliveries that day. Um, but I'm so lucky that I, I pushed on and kept doing it. So rather than
1: just shutting the whole thing down, you sort of scaled it back a little bit, which is slightly yeah. less like trying to
0: world be ambitious. Yeah. yeah. I scaled it back to the one day, which I've still been doing just the one day since then. And it's all I need. I get, you know, hundreds of slices of cakes out to everyone in that, just that one day. And yeah, it's perfect. It works perfectly for me.
1: And I'm assuming that you're not still doing it in your kitchen at home?
0: No. So I've got a kitchen in um, Collingwood at Worksmith. So um, the guys who own Worksmith, they've got their fingers in heaps of other pies and they've got all these other businesses as well. It's a collaborative working space for hospitality members. So even though I am a solo um, trader, I am by myself. I still know that, you know, I can come into the kitchen and say hello to Michael or, you know, anyone who's working there. I don't feel like I'm alone. Mm,
1: That's really nice because I think a lot of solo printers do feel isolated, Um, yeah, just working by themselves all the time.
0: Yeah, and I come in sometimes and vent a bit of, you know, I'm feeling stressed today, I've taken on too many orders. You know, at least I've got someone to talk to. Mm.
1: And when you're actually baking, you know, is there there some kind of item or process that
0: you just love the most that's just
1: like coming home for you?
0: I think that all my dishes are like that, to be honest. Um, I love everything that I make. So it's all very therapeutic for me. I think on the the Saturday when I'm um, finishing up all the boxes and packing them, I don't really have that therapeutic calmness about me. I'm probably a little bit more stressed than um, stressed to appreciate it. But um, on the Monday, I usually make up the box, take the photo of it on the Tuesday. And the whole time I'm just, I'm on a high. I'm running around the house. I'm like, oh my god! I'm so excited about this box. Uh, that's so yeah.
1: good. How how fantastic to be able to take such joy in what you do. Yeah. Um So you've been in Melbourne, Audrey, during you know quite a particular part time in the city's history, and you know it's not where you grew up. What what's how do you feel? You know how do you feel about Melbourne? What kind of place has it been for you? And you know, do you feel like this is where your future is?
0: Yeah, I definitely don't see myself moving back home anytime soon. Um, I feel like Melbourne's really taken me under their wing and I think a lot of that um, has come from me being quite vulnerable and honest. Um, I am quite open with all my customers and how I'm feeling or how I'm going or what's happening in my life. So I feel like I've got a good connection with everyone here and they're they're very nurturing, you know. I had I had one week where um, my grandfather passed away back home um, in Byron, and um, a few people saw that I was going through something, and so they brought me in, you know, a bunch of flowers, or they, you know, sent me a beautiful message, and oh, I just like I just broke down into tears. I was so happy; I couldn't believe how kind everyone was being. Mm. That's really beautiful.
1: It's so interesting because a lot of people think about hospitality as a place where, you know, you, you, there's no time for emotions. You just have to be pushing through and just getting it done. But you've sort of brought a, a different, uh, yeah, just like a different outlook to it.
0: Yeah, I don't think I could have had any other outlook as well. I'm definitely an emotional person. And um, if you ask anyone that I've worked with, They'll probably say, oh, yeah, she's a hard worker, but she cries a lot. (laughs) And it's so true. (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with crying. I think we need to normalise crying. Um, I think it's good to have a little cry and get on with it, you know? I think that's
1: so true. And I think at the moment, I mean, I guess people are overall in society in general... It, it does seem to be more acceptable to show emotion and to ask for help and to express your vulnerabilities. Um, I think some people say, you know, hospitality is getting there but still has a way to go. Do you, did you feel that, you know, there was, it was a problem for you to be emotional in your your workplaces?
0: I don't think I've ever found it to be a problem. I mean, I've definitely been told to stop crying and get back to service or something like along those lines. But I don't know, I think everyone has always been quite caring towards me in the industry. And they know how passionate I am and that they know that me crying or me being upset is just me showing that I care. So I think everyone's just kind of relieved that I care. Yeah, that's a really good way to spin it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. If I I wasn't, I didn't care, then I think that would be be worse.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so Audrey, what's in
0: this week's box? This week's box, we have a strawberry and passion fruits. And then we have a Franjapan apple and rhubarb crumble slice, a baked lemon meringue tart slice and a tiramisu cake slice. So it's five different slices.
1: Oh my god. Goodness, that sounds outrageously
0: yeah. good. I'm assuming yeah. they're all sold out. They are. I, I sold out within, I think, three minutes or less. Oh my goodness. It was so stressful. I was I locked myself in my room and um and I couldn't believe it. After ten minutes, I put up posts saying, I'm sold out, stop ordering, and then I still had about 70 orders to to go through and message everyone to say they're sorry, I'm 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 sold out. And they're like, oh, but I've just I got in so quickly and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. So
1: basically it's like DMs and then it's just whoever's at the top, the first. Um, yeah. Wow. That is. Yeah. That must be, yeah, really intense. It just makes, it's like boxing day sales with everyone rushing into the shop except virtually.
0: Yeah. 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 It takes me about three hours to, to do all the orders, to be honest. Cause once I message everyone details and it's a lot of back and forth, but, um, it's fine.
1: Well, I guess that's the business that you've set up. Um, But yeah, congratulations on building something that people are so excited about and that's able to sustain you through a pretty crazy period in hospitality, in cooking and in the city and country and world generally. It's been really great to add you to our parent and child collection on Dirty Linen. But um, Audrey, thank you so much for chatting to me.
0: No worries. Thank you for having me.
1: This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.
0: This.